Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast. That's right. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm like about to choke on my own saliva. <laughs> I, with me, the Mad Chat, that's a great way to start the show. I like that. With the Mad Chat of Ryan MK, that's me, the one choking on his own spit. And by my side, as always, my guy, the salary captain, the much heroine, Mr. Aaron Stewart. What's up, buddy? Oh, man, I am doing good, man. It is championship week, or it's the conclusion of championship week, which is kind of a nice wrap-up of the fantasy football season. And what a season it's been, and I'm ready, ready to get right into what we got for the show today. How are you doing, man? Not too bad, not too bad, aside from, you know, trying to choke myself or whatever that was at the beginning. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm doing good, man. We've got... Um, you know, plenty to talk about. I was trying, I was really honestly trying to get into the game tonight, but, you know, not a lot going on in the game, not very exciting. It wasn't meaning anything. And on top of that, the wife had got me watching this movie called Unstoppable, which if you've never heard of it, it's a movie with Denzel. See, I'm a big Denzel Washington fan. I had never heard of this fucking movie, never seen a preview, nothing. And we saw a preview for it. She was, and I'm like, man, that looks pretty good. The wife's like, it's pretty good. Let's turn it on. And she turned it on. And there it was. And of course, I'm sitting there like, oh, they got to stop this fucking train. Oh, because it's about an unstoppable train. I guess I didn't mention that. But anyway, uh, just random stuff. So I, I was busy watching a little bit of Denzel in Unstoppable. Uh, but I was trying to keep my eye on the game. And, you know... It is what it is. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Big Ben in a little bit. But I want to get into some top observations from the week 17. And speaking of unstoppable trains, recently the Cincinnati Bengals have been very unstoppable, my friend. They are looking good. Uh, as we talked about last week, um, you know, we had mentioned previously in weeks prior, you know, Chargers, Bengals, and you felt like you might have cursed them a little bit. They look good this weekend, too, the Chargers did. But I, I just, I, man, I really am enjoying these Bengals. And, um, it, you know, they've had some, inc you know, some consistency issues, uh, but they really played well in, in a in a very important game against a very good team in the Chiefs. And, uh I just, but I still like me some Chargers too. And that's what one thing as we, you know, walk into the off season, I love Burrow and I love Herbert and I want to try and attach myself. I want pieces of these offenses on my rosters going forward because uh, these are two excellent young quarterbacks that are going to be around for a while. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just uh I've kind of been brooding on the, the Bengals for me have kind of taken over the Browns, what I thought the Browns would be this year. And I'll get into some Browns talk later. I think we both will. But, you know, they've they've really, for me, kind of taken the place of the Browns and what I expected the Browns to be doing this year. So I really enjoyed watching the Bengals and I'm excited to see what they do in the playoffs. Yeah. And speaking of Bengals. The Jamar Chase game, holy smokes. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> I'm very conflicted because on one hand, I, I mean, we have been huge fans of Jamar Chase, and that's not really 
a lot of a lot of fantasy football analysts love him. But if you go back to the preseason, people were going, "Oh my goodness, he's got drops. He's he's going to be a bust." And it was extremely stupid. That's like that's the one stat for receivers that you should never mention about uh, whether you make a case for a guy that he'll be good or bad. Like it doesn't matter if he has zero drops or ten drops. Like as long as he's still getting targeted. And for Chase, he's getting targeted and making the Chiefs look silly. But also, unfortunately, in a championship game, my opponent had Jamar Chase, so he made my fantasy football team look absolutely silly. Uh, put up over 50 fantasy points. So yes. last year, Alvin Kamara. This year, Jamar Chase. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Crazy, but just so freaking good. And he almost overshadows another rookie receiver that has been on fire, not, not just for week 17, but the last, what, like four or five games. That's Amon Ra St. Brown, mm-hmm. named after the Egyptian god himself. And just, wow, for, for Detroit going into the season, it was like, what do we have to be optimistic about? Okay, Hawkinson, that's Swift, but we looked at receivers and were like, wow, that is Pretty, pretty bad. And at least Amon Ross St. Brown did exactly what he needed to do, right? Like, if there's there wasn't anything there, they were right. literally picking up receivers that other teams were dropping. So this is good for Amon Ross St. Brown in Dynasty that he is playing to this level, especially this week when they had Swift come back. Because mm. Some people are like, ah, Swift's back. I don't know about Amon Ross St. Brown, but still, like, what I want to say, you got double digit targets again. Yeah. Two touchdowns. Another huge game that we just overlooked because Chase scored 50 something points. Now, I really like Amon Ross St. Brown, but Mm -hmm. I am a little hesitant because I feel like this is a situation where, like you've been talking about, the targets, the opportunity, there's nobody else really there. When they get some competition, I don't see Amon Ross St. Brown as that number one. You know what I mean? So I would maybe caution people about going out and thinking like, oh, I got to get me some Amon, let me give up some shit for some Amon Ross St. Brown because he's going to be the Lions number one. And once they get a QB and blah, 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 no, just slow it down a little bit because they have nothing in that wide receiver covered. They're going to bring more they have hawk they have swift they've got some good pieces but we also don't know where they're going with quarterback you know so i would just slow the roll on that situation but i do still dig me some on my raw st brown and he has been very good recently so yes yeah in in dynasty yeah if you got him you're you're Probably your best bet is holding them for the exact same reasons that, that you discussed there is i don't even know despite this big old stretch of games to end the season i don't really know if there's much of a trade market for him because you know people in you know it's negotiating 101 they're gonna go well you know he was a fourth round pick in the nfl draft they don't know so just kind of one of those guys where do do you trade him i don't think so mainly because i don't think you're gonna get what you may think that you you should get for him but Exciting talent, good for him. He, he has been just going straight, straight towards uh, a, a good tier of dynasty wide receivers. Yes, going the opposite direction is uh, Antonio Brown, <laughs> because man, I I laugh, but I'm also like, is it, 
Is there some mental health shit there, or is he just a fucking asshole? Because pe- people were talking about it, that, you know, and this is not really related to fantasy, but it kind of is, because I know for me, back when AB was having problems with the Raiders and all of that, I ended up trading him. I probably did not get the greatest return, uh, but since then, I mean, he's had some moments um, with Tampa Bay, obviously, but otherwise, nothing. And now, now, I mean, if you've got him on your team, you're probably done. I mean, because he's probably done is is what I mean. And I just don't see him getting another chance after this. And that and that was the risk with Brown is that it could all of a sudden just someday. And I guess. Same with anybody. I mean, we saw earlier this year, Zay Jones with his, you know, legal troubles that takes him away from the game. And, you know, so it is important to look at the the human aspect. And I do wonder, like, as crazy as that was, and as much as it does sound like, yeah, Antonio Brown's a fucking asshole. It does make you wonder, like, is there something going on? Because as I was about to say, is you know, going around on social media this weekend was... It, you know, hey, remember that hit he took when he played for the Steelers against the Bengals? I think it was perfect who hit him. And mm-hmm. it's like, and some people are like, dude's not in the same sense. So I don't know. It just keep in mind, yes, it's entertainment, all of that. But these are fucking people. And it's a violent game. And I, again, I don't know if AB is just a fucking prick. And he probably is regardless. But I, I don't know if this is all that or if there's some mental health stuff there. Because that... That screams to me, I got some issues. <laughs> but, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah, he, there's got to be something going on mentally. Uh, I know it's an assumption, but when you just think rationally, he was so close to hitting some incentives mm-hmm. in his contract that would have paid him about a million dollars. So it makes no sense. to. He has played extremely well this season. You know, he's dealt with uh, a, an injury that – kept him out for some games and then of course the suspension for the COVID, the fake COVID um, what was that fake COVID pass or something like that and mm-hmm. yeah it's just oh, it's been going downhill and you know for, for Tampa Bay it was clear you know you know me I'm the salary captain I'm always looking at contracts and Antonio Brown who played well last season and, and was pivotal in helping the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl he only gets a one year deal like pretty late in the offseason too so you could tell even going into the season, he was on thin ice. Mm. Um, but he was being productive, which helps. You know, if you're producing, they'll tolerate you. But, uh, yeah, I, I oh, don't dude, know. The Bucks are in trouble now. Yeah, you like, got I, no Godwin. Uh, Evans played, but he is right. also dealing with a hamstring, and those linger. Mm-hmm. Antonio Brown just left. Gone. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. So, that leaves you with what? I guess you're going to have Evans and Brashad Perriman on the outside, Tyler Johnson the slide. I mean, the good thing well, was they had all this young talent. Yes. And we were like, wow, they're stacked. But ooh, you're right. It looks rough. It does. But if they're going to do something, we're going to see someone like a, a Tyler Johnson, a Cyril Grayson. Is, is, yeah. You know, we're going to see one of these guys really pop if that's what happens. So, you, you know, if you're looking at DFS, um, uh, particularly when it comes to those playoff games, because I'm going to be hitting DFS hard during the playoffs, I tell you that much. 
you know, for the Bucks game, that's going to be very interesting is looking at those guys, Grayson, Johnson, might not be too expensive, and they could really pop for Brady and the Bucks. Um, so, yeah, definitely a crazy situation. But now back to you, my friend. What else you got for uh, observations from Week 17? Well, a few weeks ago, I was a little hesitant on this player because I was like, yeah, he played against a weak rush defense. I kind of got to see a little bit more, and he followed it up with a bad game. But since I'm back-to-back really, really strong games, I'm, of course, talking about Mr. Rashad Penny, who has 130-plus rushing yards in three of his last four games. And, wow, <laughs> it is, it's remarkable because you can count this up as a miss on my part. I was already, like, going into the season, and it, it's not going to happen for Rashad Penny. It's been injury, 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 injury. Like Dude, I was there. I love Rashad Penny. I love doing it. And, of course, I was like, I mean, that's a terrible pick by the Seahawks, but this is Rashad Penny going to the Seahawks. I was right. so excited, and there's been nothing but disappointment. So even I, who loves this man, was like, I am I mean, and I still have him on a couple rosters, and, and on those rosters had I been in the playoffs, man, he would have done me some good. <laughs> but sorry to interrupt, but you, you, Yes, man, because I, I, I'm a big fan of Penny, but even I was at the point where it's just like, I I mean, it's too bad. It's too bad for that dude. And here he is playing very well. And and it's just in time, too, because I'm pretty certain they did not pick up his fifth-year option. Because And that's another reason why you just don't draft running backs in the first round. Like mm-hmm. You just... The first round picks, like that's one of the benefits is you have this fifth year option. So why would you ever use it on a position that you can constantly replace? Uh, you know, unless like it's a Derrick Henry or something like that. But for Rashad Penny, hey, the perfect time. I mean, three plus seasons. What he didn't do anything the first half of the season. It's like, man, another sad story of a running back getting hurt not being able to shake the injuries and probably almost out of the league. And then these huge performances. He's going to get a job somewhere, and you'd like for him to remain in Seattle, but he, he will be a free agent yep. in Seattle. It looks like they are heading towards the the, the nuke button, just blow it all up and start mm. start fresh there. So, but good good for him. I It was one where I was super cautious. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I need to see a little bit more, but, yeah. And I love, what, 170 rushing yards and a touchdown sitting on my bench in that same championship game where I could have used any and all help to go against the Jamar Chase team. Yeah. And did you say it was two touchdowns? Yep. Oh, man. 172 touchdowns, yeah. And it's funny because he – well, he and the Seahawks in general uh, were one of my observations as well. So I'm glad you took Penny because I'll just piggyback on that and say, you know, the rest of the Seahawks, I mean – they had a big you know, a big day. They played well. DK Metcalf, three fucking touchdowns. But it just feels we're coming to the end. This is coming to a head by all reports and rumors and everything. It 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 would be very surprising to see. Well, let's put it this way. It'd be surprising to see Russ and Pete Carroll in Seattle next year. It sounds like it's gonna be one or the other. And I think Russ wants to go try somewhere else, and we're probably going to get that. Now, where he goes, mm, there's some questions there. We can get into that in a little bit. But <clears throat> it, it's the whole Seahawks thing. This could be very, 
blown up next year. So it's, it, you know, this is a team to keep an eye on and just see what happens. And, and, you know, especially with Rashad Penny too, like you were talking about, because in dynasty, this is someone, man, if he goes to a fire landing spot, I'm going to be trying to sell that dude, you know, you know, trade him away, get what comes, get, try and get you a nice, you know, you're probably not going to be able to get up to a first, but who knows? Right. People are crazy when it comes to running backs and when they freshly sign on to. But I do know this. He's not someone that I'm going to be looking to buy in Dynasty because he's still getting older. He still has the injury history. But, but you can bet your ass in, in, in your standard, your, your, Redraft leagues, your guillotine leagues, anything like that. Oh, I'm going to be fucking pounding Rashad Penny next year in those drafts. Granted, he gets in on, on a good team. But, uh, it, yeah, because he could be a very good value next year. And, and you know, if he's going later in drafts and he doesn't creep up too high and then he does get hurt, then you're not wasted too much. So I think he could be a nice uh, back to talk about going into next year for redraft and guillotine. But, uh, yeah, in, in Dynasty, is it's kind of one of those, like, this is great to see Rashad, but it, too bad it wasn't a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh man, but it, it is, it definitely signals the end of Chris Carson's time in, in Seattle. I, oh yeah. Sadly, it is probably more for medical reasons. But, right. And, and I know I've talked about Chris Carson's contract. Oh man, it was a few weeks ago, but it's, it's very much, they have an out in his contract where they can cut him. There will be a, Decent amount of dead cap, but I really think, you know, if you're Seattle, uh, why why keep Chris Carson right now? Because it's he's had some great seasons for him, but it's just the nature of the position. It's older. He's now got a neck injury. That's terrifying. Yeah. How about cut cut Chris Carson? Give Rashad Penny a, a decent contract. Ah, I don't know what, what type of contract Penny would get. I would say because he's younger, he could probably get Maybe a two-year contract in the four to five million per year. That's about right for running backs. Yeah. I don't know if I can find something real quick on what he'll get, but um, I, I think that's the move. Is use the cap space you would save, use some of the cap space you would save on Chris Carson, and keep Penny. Uh, they've also got some interesting young guys there, but none of those guys, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, none of those guys are guys that are going to be like the guy. Right. But I will say there is some concern of just there is almost no passing game involvement for Penny. It's so he is very much touchdown or bust because these these games he did manage to finally exceed two targets a game. So it does make me a little little nervous there. Like right. and he's not gonna rush for 130 yards and a touchdown or two each game. <laughs> right, right. Very true. Well, did you have any observations specifically for this week? Yeah, I the one one player I do want to mention is Trey Lance. Mm. Trey Lance getting his first home start of the season. And this is why I love mobile quarterbacks. Top 10 performance, and he only completed 16 passes. And he really didn't even do much on the ground, honestly. Eight carries mm. for 31 yards. But that's why, like, these are the types of players that you target in your dynasty rookie draft. It's honestly, and I know we've got – hindsight with us is if you had the 101 in a super flex draft, it was find the person that was going to fall in love with Trevor Lawrence, trade down a few spots and 
you get more draft picks and let's say you trade down to, I don't know, 103, 104, something like that. Like pretty good chance you would either get Justin Fields or Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. And you'd just be, you'd be so happy in, in fantasy football. We care about points. And for quarterbacks, if you can run, you got to get points. Although yes. I will say Lawrence is sneaky athletic. Like he, he's had some decent rushing yards, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have the upside on the ground like a Fields, like right. a Lance. And as a person that was super high on Trey Lance and have had to patiently wait and see this, I see that performance and go, oh, yeah, I am ready for next season. Hell, yeah. I am totally with you on that. It was good to see him out there and play well. Um, I'm excited to see what, it, you know, if you listen to news, you know, listening to some of my football podcasts, uh, there's con- some concern with Trevor Lawrence. Um, and Zach Wilson, but let's see what they do next year. But it feels Lance super excited for that. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, part of week 17 is a lot of things were wrapped up, like six of the eight divisions, I believe, um, are settled. Um, we've got most of the playoff spots settled. So, you know, this is why you don't you know, do your championship games in the last week of the season, because, you know, we are running into that where it, with, with the, the new additional game this year, the same issue that we've run in, into previous years, whereas this final week, there's potential for a lot of teams to, you know, rest players um, or play them not as long, things like that, because it's just, it, you know, there's a lot of things solidified already, but but there is still DFS, and there is still some meaningful games to be played. And, of course, one of the biggest ones would be um, Oakland, L.A., and that's Sunday night. And that's the win-and-in game, yes? Mm-hmm. And so that one could be a very fun, you know, single-game DFS slate to play. Um but is there anything else you're looking at where there's meaning on the line, something, any games or particular players that you, you're looking at to possibly target if you're doing some DFS in Week 18? I don't really have specific players, but what I will say is, like, the Week 18 or the final regular season game in DFS, the people that benefit the most are people like you and me that play primarily Dynasty Leagues. And so we spent... You know, for people that have been listening to the show for, for a while, you know, these, our, our audience knows you go back to June, July, or no, before, sorry, before June or July, you go mm-hmm. all the way back to, well, about a year ago, you know, February and March, and you start evaluating rookies, and you're going, hey, the, the, these rookies have fallen in love with. I fell in love with Elijah Moore and, you know, having the stretch of games he did. And when you can find those even deeper rookies, for you, mm-hmm. Elijah Mitchell, right? Like, we'll always have to mention Elijah Mitchell on each show, but, but you know, <laughs> you were spot on with that. Like, that's I mention these players because, as you talked about, most most of the things in, in terms of playoffs and divisions, it's already decided. So teams are going to rest starters, and it is a different dynamic here. It's it benefits the people that play preseason DFS, um, but also knowing. The, the depth charts and knowing, okay, right. who is like that number four receiver that 
is probably going to get more run because the team's going to maybe rest the star receiver, and therefore that number four guy is suddenly out there getting more snaps. You would think right. of uh, maybe like a Josh Palmer, right? Mm. Like, he's kind of the number three, right, but splits it with Jalen Guyton, those types of things. So yeah. if you play Dynasty and you've been getting your butt kicked in DFS, like stick to the process. You, you know, like make sure that – You've got the notifications on for the games that of which teams are going to maybe rest guys because usually mm. teams do kind of reveal their their hand a little bit. So yeah, for obvious reasons like I don't know, let's take Kansas City. If Mahomes is only going to if the Chiefs are going to play their starters for like the first half and that's it, avoid the Chiefs. Right. Unless it's like that number three or four receiver, you know, that may still play the entire game. But we're we're at an advantage here, just with all the dynasty stuff. I agree, and I can't. I guess I can't really say anything better about week eighteen than that. Is is you know, if you do play dynasty, you really you know are more familiar with depth charts and all of that. And um, that's probably the biggest thing is over the week is you, you know you're always paying attention for injuries, the COVID shit like that. Well, now you just have to add on, hey. What teams are going to be resting players, you know, because some of that will come out. And you just got to really think about it logically. Like, look at the playoffs. For example, the Chargers and Raiders, they need to put, to win to get in. You, you know, yeah. um, the Titans, they need to win to keep their number one seat. You, you know, so seeding matters. There's little things like that. You know who's going to be playing their players for the most part and who's not. So you just got to look at that, pay attention to reports. And yes, and you should be able to come with some very interesting lineups. It, it should be very interesting. It, it, it is the one um, positive I would say about kind of not having any normal fantasy stuff is you get to focus a little more on the DFS. And it does seem like there are some tiny little advantages in there for yeah. dynasty guys. So <clears throat> 100% agree. All right. Well, now that we've talked a little bit about week 17, we've we've looked forward to week 18. And by the way, congratulations to any listeners if you've won your titles and and you know you're celebrating and and condolences to those who lost. I had a rough year myself. Boy, did I get pounded in the one Super Bowl I was in. And I'm I'm not I'm in several dynasty leagues. I am used to being in the title game of at least a few of them. And this has been a rough year because I was in one championship game and I got shellacked. And no, he did not have Jamar Chase. <laughs> I, it was bad. It was bad. So with all that said, we've got all that talked about. We're pretty much, you know, done with the season um, you know, generally speaking. And after this pod, Aaron and I are going to be taking a little bit of time off. And, you know, we will be back to get into the off-season stuff because that's really where we tend to thrive. Um, and you may even see us pop back up just for some normal football, not really fantasy-related chatter during the playoffs just because we love football. And what's better, what's the best kind of football? Playoff football. So that might be, we might get on and chat some of that. But, I wind down the rambling to say we can't end the pod and go into a break and end technically this season of the Dynasty Wonderland without 
discussing some things we learned throughout the year. Kind of a recap. And I want to start out with, you know, some hits and misses. Uh, mainly because that's what I have first on the list. And also because you mentioned Elijah Mitchell. Well, <laughs> boy, Aaron, do I have to just celebrate one more time. Because I don't always get stuff right. I have play. I would say... I might have more misses than hits. I guess I don't really, I had a tough time with this list because I couldn't remember all the goddamn things I said, uh, you know, slightly less than a year ago or, you know, and leading up into the season. But I do know that is one I'm very proud of because I felt like there were not enough people that were seeing it. And that was baffling to me. I'm like, just look at the profile. You know, draft capitalism be damned. They're almost exactly the same, except for look at the speed. I, like, to me, it was just mind-blowing that nobody else was paying enough attention. And, and I shouldn't say nobody. But it just seemed like that was largely being ignored. And it was just, well, Trey Sermon's a more well-known name. And he has the higher draft capital. And there you go. And... uh and I, you know, was screaming, no, no. And, you know, this is an occasion where I was screaming about someone and it worked out. You know, it doesn't always work out that way. But, uh, you know, proud of this one because I do feel like, you know, Raheem Moster, nobody knew that was going to be shot. Kyle Shanahan's guy, you know, like I had that dude. In one, like in one of my main dynasty leagues, sitting on my bench because it's a super deep league. And all of a sudden, he's like the main guy for the Niners. And I'm like, I've got an extra running back. All right. And, it, you know, it, it's just kind of what the Niners do. And I do think with the injuries to Moster and he's getting up there in age, I mean, is Elijah Mitchell one of the best running backs in the league? No, but I. I feel like he's going to be that Mostert replacement. That this is this is potentially the guy for the next couple of years for San Fran, and they're going to run the shit out of him. Um, you know, and they've got Trey Lance there, and you know these awesome wide receivers. So I think they've got a really nice mix, you know, of players. And uh, you know, it's just one you hit on ones every once in a while that you feel especially proud of. And this is just one of those for me. And I don't mean to bring them up so much other than maybe to dig it into my buddy EDG a little bit. Yeah. But then he can dig right back at me on one of my misses, which I'm just going to go into right now. And that's fucking Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Now I know. He's been playing with a torn labrum since early in the season. But if you're going to play hurt, you got to, you know, you still got to perform. Otherwise, you know, go get your fucking injury dealt with. It's not been a good year for the Browns. They were very promising. Last year, Baker Mayfield was number two in money throws, right behind Tom Brady. This year, Baker Mayfield has not been fucking good. He has regressed, Aaron. Regressed. And this, this is just, it kills me. It kills me. And, um, you know, but you win some, you lose some. And, you know, we're going to have to have EDG hosting a show, you know, at some point. I, I believe that was our bet we made. <clears throat> because, uh, yeah, Tom Brady was much better. And while Brady, I would still say, man, 
he's looking a little iffy this year himself. He's 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 had some moments like the Bucks. Ooh, we'll see what they do in the playoffs, especially with the you know the team looking like it is as we discussed. But still been better than Baker. Still been better than Baker. So, Aaron, if you would like to talk about either you know the hit or miss that I brought up, and then get into your uh, hit and miss. Well, you mentioned Baker, and, and really, we we both were very pro Browns like fans. We just thought behind Baker and the improvements that team made, that was going to be the AFC team to challenge the Chiefs, and far, far from it. So, really, you can count that up as as a miss as well. You know, just we were both just hyping up Cleveland, and you know, it's going to take some uh, some some self reflection. And like, what did we miss on that one? And as for Elijah Mitchell, know. yeah, and Elijah Mitchell was a was a great call, and it is it, it, your points spot on on that one because in dynasty rookie drafts, there was even a chance he wasn't even drafted in your rookie draft. So, like, there isn't anyone that should have like been hating like Elijah Mitchell if he doesn't hit. Oh well, like he's a six round pick, All right. uh, small school. He doesn't hit. You move on, and those are the best right like it's the best start throws because you you pull up player profile and you're like holy moly uh finally an athletic running back in this class because that was kind of the criticism for most of this running back class there wasn't a whole lot of guys that made you go wow like even our favorite javante williams ran an underwhelming 40 yard dash so Mm -hmm. the elijah mitchell i remember that the hype was hey this could be the number four running back in the class like outside the top three the top three are pretty set and you know lo and behold Elijah Mitchell really was the the fourth running back now I am going to start with the misses to get this one out of the way there was two guys that I pumped up I had articles uh, almost identical articles uh breakout wide receiver the breakout running back that you can find on the breakoutfinder.com website my breakout receiver is dj moore this was the season i know last year we thought he was going to be a top 12 wide receiver which is what i classified a breakout top 12 mm-hmm. is wide receiver one didn't happen but i was like this season's gonna happen i don't care about the quarterback play because dj moore had a lot of drops and you know what the drops did stop him from putting up wide receiver one numbers but everything else looked great and through four weeks of the season i was looking pretty damn good dj moore was in the top five wide receivers in in points per game but the thing that i kind of went i'll be damned uh if this is what causes him to not break out this year, but it really did was the lack of quarterback stability from Sam Darnold playing so bad that he got benched so many times to PJ Walker, to Cam Newton coming in for that one great game and then getting benched like three times in the same game, like something like, or three times in a two week span. Ah, just a mess. And for my breakout running back, once again, I thought top 12, Top 12 upside, I really like the offense, is Miles Sanders, and he failed to score a single touchdown. Like, the efficiency and everything looks great. If you don't score touchdowns, you're not going to score fantasy points to finish to that. So just some big misses. And the DJ Moore hurts the most because I'm a huge fan, and he gave me that false hope (laughs) and collapse. 
Unless I'm DJ, but I do blame the quarterback situation a lot with that and the coaching. I think he's that was a junk situation this year. But it, sorry, keep going. But I get the misses out of the way because one of the things I would like to classify this one as a hit, and that's Elijah Moore. As from like a rookie standpoint, I mean, I put my money where my mouth was. I drafted Elijah Moore in my main dynasty league, and Devontae Smith was still on the board. I'm like, no, I, I see the profile of Elijah Moore, and like everyone, the the film grinders like him, the analytics people like him. I'm like, the only thing you can nitpick on is okay, he's not six four, two hundred twenty pounds, like cool. But the NFL's changed. You don't have to be that way to be a great receiver, and I feel kind of validated there when he had what was the week eight through 12 stretch where he had four different starting quarterbacks during that span and it didn't matter because he was the wide receiver one in points per game during that stretch so productive because most people go man this guy could be the wide receiver one if he gets a quarterback upgrade and he saw with elijah moore he was capable of being a wide receiver one when you had josh johnson a 35-year-old journeyman quarterback throwing him the ball. Mike White throwing him the ball and having his only productive game. And Joe Flacco coming back from the land of the dead. So, Elijah Moore. Let me – just one thing. And that's why I changed my mind. I can't give DJ Moore any slack because other dudes have done it. DeAndre Hopkins did it in Houston with a junk role of quarterback. So, I take that back. DJ Moore, you get no slack from me. Okay, Aaron, can you? Because it's different more. But, like, with Elijah Moore, and and I I actually went love tease, number 30 in points points per game in PPR scoring. It's not not like he – was was huge because like the first half of the season he didn't do anything he was dealing with injuries that really really slowed him down especially as a rookie but just seeing that stretch there I go oh yeah oh yeah I I feel really good about the fact that I win Elijah Moore and it wasn't just like Devontae Smith it was there was Terrace Marshall that mm-hmm. looked like a player that we as as uh, as writers and and workers at Player Profiler should love, and I went nope. Like I I get it. Terrace Marshall looks like what we are looking for for wide receivers for our site, but I was very very set on Elijah Moore. Although I can make a small miss there well, for my very 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 bold prediction. I went Rondell Moore will finish as the number one rookie wide receiver because I saw the opportunity, the offense. Still loved Elijah Moore more long-term, but uh, yeah, uh, Rondell Moore didn't quite fire. Not this year. Not this, Not year. this year. There's still hope. Still hope. Um, did you have any others you wanted to talk about? Or did you – are you – because I've just got a couple more I was going to hit and then get into the next category. But if you have any, keep going. I – I think that that is it. I always like to focus more on my misses than than hits. I've got some good hits, but the misses keep me humbled a little bit, keep me going back and going, what am I missing in my process? So I, right. You put Johnny Smith in there because I'm his biggest fan, and it just it didn't happen. It, injuries and Hunter Henry just very much cementing himself as the preferred tight end receiving option there. So pouring one out for Johnny Smith. Yeah, yes. looking good. Well, I'll say this much. I think you should give yourself a pat on the back for hyping up Jalen Hurts because you definitely hyped oh, yeah. him up a lot. 
And uh, he's been awesome. And hopefully he's done it. I mean, they're going to the playoffs. So, you know, this should be his team moving forward. And I'd like to see what else they can do to help him out. Um, and he did score a similar amount of fantasy points to Patrick. He's like right behind, right behind Patrick Mahomes mm. and a little bit further behind Kyler Murray. And it's just that reminder. Look, I, if I don't care if it's super flex or not, like wait a little bit on quarterbacks because there's always going to be a better, cheaper version. I mean, Jalen Hurts outscored, has so far outscored Lamar Jackson. The key is getting the mobile ones that where you yes. can get the rushing production. That's Absolutely. the key. <clears throat> but, yeah, I, I, and I agree with you. You want to focus on misses more. Um, and they do keep you humble and remind you to check the process and all of that. So I can't disagree with that. I, I'm going to do the asshole thing and focus more on my hits because, you know what? I have misses every week in that goddamn infirmary. <laughs> and I have been, they have been pointed out on social media before. So I'm not going to go. I, I will say, I thought Russ had a chance. Russ Wilson had a chance for MVP. We were screaming about it earlier in the season. I mean, I was. And uh, yeah, the, the Seahawks have been rough. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also said, um, this was one of my big things in the off season was that I didn't believe the Vikings game, uh, pass game was going to be as viable. I thought it was going to regress because I thought the Vikings defense would be better. And then they were going to go back to Mike Zimmer and run the ball more. But no, they were throwing the ball quite a bit this year again. So, you know, I kind of missed on that one. But let me get back to my hits. Elijah Mitchell, I already mentioned, but I'd like to mention C.D. Lamb because I said, and, you know, this was kind of a debate. It's not like it was that I was the only one again, and but there was plenty of people on the Amari Cooper side that, nope, this is still Amari Cooper's team, blah, 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 blah. And I said, this year, he will ascend, Mr. Lamb will. And if you look at it, I and I know Cooper was banged up, and I know the last couple of weeks Cooper's come on strong. Uh, but even before that, Lamb, he's been outproducing uh, Amari Cooper this year. And so I'm going to give myself a little bit of love for that one because I did feel like that would start to happen this year. And there was definitely a side that did not believe in that. And uh, there's also a side of people, a group of people that really believed in in in, in some Taysom Hill. And uh, I was one of the proponents of Jameis Winston at the beginning of the year. And he did indeed win the Saints QB job. Now he didn't set the world on fire or anything. But, man, they have really been ugly since he's been gone. Uh, Trevor Simeon, Taysom Hill, this is junk. Uh, the Saints need a quarterback. If Russell Wilson was smart, this is where he would go. This is where he would go, would be the Saints. Um, and so that that one I would like to point – and these are just minor. This is all, I feel like, minor. And it's honestly because I was trying to remember and go through, like, lists of players and, like, during the offseason, who was I really hyping up? <laughs> who was I? And so it, it was kind of hard to go back and think of, like, it, you know, who the hell exactly I was um, hyping up and, you know, who were the, more of the top guys I got right and wrong. Um, but that's where I'm at. Baker, my biggest miss, of course, and Elijah, my biggest hit. Um, 
But quarterbacks, I really quick want to get into. Spoke about Russ. We've spoken about him a few times. The Saints, they need a quarterback. The Broncos need a quarterback. There are several teams that need a quarterback. Now, obviously, we're going to get into this, you know, more in the offseason as we go uh, approach like free agency, the draft, and things like that. Um, but, you know, it's not going to be long before people start doing trades and thing and things like that. And uh, now it sounds like the Packers are going to do their best to hold on to Aaron Rodgers, and he seems all jolly jolly with the uh, Packers management right now. So maybe the Aaron Rodgers situation is, is kind of done and over. But Russ as we mentioned, could be a chance, you know, he goes somewhere. Is there anywhere you'd like to see him go? Or is there any quarterback out there that you'd like to see with a particular team? Because, it, again, you know, Broncos need somebody, the Saints. There's a good chance the Colts might need somebody unless they're really going to keep going with Carson Wentz. Um, you know, Houston sounds like it may give Davis Mills a shot, and why not? He's looked not too bad at all. We've talked about that. I think that was the last pod. Um, so what do you think quarterback situations around the league, quarterbacks themselves, teams that need one, any thoughts on that? I know this was the surprise topic throwing you, uh, you know, just throwing it out there. See what you got off the top of your head. So Denver is the team that is very intriguing right. because there's receiving talent all over the place. I mean, really, when you look at what a quarterback could be walking into, Melvin Gordon's a free agent, so it should be a Javante Williams-like backfield, and he has looked great when he has been given heavy workload. He's mm -hmm. the guy. He's legit. And then a receiver, like they've gone and they've locked up not just one but two guys. They locked up Sutton and Tim Patrick. Along with they still have Jerry Judy. Admittedly, I am not a huge Jerry Judy fan because I go, what has he really done, folks? He's main value hasn't really been productive. I was not big on him really coming out of the draft, but I was kind of thinking this year he might pop a little bit. And yeah, I mean, nothing. And what have you done for me? Exactly. And I know people, people always go, it's the first defense. And shoot, I'm guilty of that with like DJ Moore. It's like, well, we'll just wait till he gets a quarterback upgrade. But that you're, it's just like the Terry McLaurin fans too. What if it never happens? <laughs> like, sorry, there are receivers that can overcome bad quarterback play. Like we have seen it with like Allen Robinson, for instance. Mm. That's that's a perfect example of that. But looking at, I would say between Denver and Washington, Washington's also very interesting mm -hmm. because there's weapons all over the place. I mentioned Terry McLaurin, but also it's like they've got Antonio Gibson. That's an electrifying talent there. And they have some interesting tertiary, not even secondary, tertiary options in like John Bates and Diami Brown that mm -hmm. maybe step into like for Diami Brown, maybe he's a number three receiver. John Bates is an interesting tight end. He seems to just yes. always make big plays. And I go, you know, they get Curtis Samuel in which Samuel hasn't been good this year. Samuel's been injured all season long. I go, there's some interesting weapons there. That could be a place... That would be interesting for quarterbacks. So Russell Wilson, of course, is the big one that could be moved because now with Aaron Rodgers, I know, like, all offseason, I was like, this is going to be the last season. 
but he's about to be the MVP, back-to-back MVP. Like he, he's the favorite, I believe. And it's hard to imagine that Green Bay would would let him go. Mm. I don't know. Like, oh, it, and it does. It, it does is. seem with Rogers that he just wants to be a Packer for life. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fucking Aaron Rodgers and his independent picking ass. Okay, sorry. But... What about what about Wilson at Pittsburgh? Right, like we just like this really did seem like the the uh, the official like this is it for Ben Roethlisberger, and Pittsburgh still has talent, right? Like take Russell Wilson and put him a veteran quarterback on Pittsburgh where. Yeah, Najee Harris in the backfield. Deontay Johnson is a stud. Chase Claypool, that's kind of your DK Metcalf, right? Pat Fryermuth at tight end. A lot of weapons there. Can Pittsburgh yeah. make it happen? I haven't I haven't even looked at specifics on the salary cap, but let's be real here. Like if a team wants it to happen, they can make it. Happen. Oh, for sure. For sure. And Pittsburgh is a great because, you know, that's one where, you know, I was mentioning Denver. Everybody mentions Denver because it's obvious. But not a lot of people mention Pittsburgh, which is funny because it it seems just as fucking obvious, like you said. And, uh, you know, they definitely need some, I would say, to do some more work on their offensive line. But they've got pieces on defense. Uh, You mentioned the receivers. Patty, Pittsburgh Pat, Pittsburgh Patty, and <laughs> Najee. They got weapons there, man. So right. it's <clears throat> that is a team right there with Denver. You have to, because I mentioned New Orleans for Russell Wilson. It's like, yes, that makes sense because of Sean Payton, because he's worked with a shorter quarterback. But when it comes to weapons, man, that's a good point. They got Alvin Kamara, and oh, I'm, I mean, it's rough. So, it, and it is. You know, Seattle's got to trade him, right? Would they trade Russell Wilson, who still has plenty of years left in his career, uh, as long as his health remains? You know, how about Wood there? Yeah. Why would they trade him to an NFC team when they'll eventually have to compete against him? So, right. it, it, yeah, and when you start looking at the AFC, it's like the AFC East, nope, they've, they've all got their quarterbacks. The AFC North, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, the AFC South, I mean, Houston's not going to trade for Russell Wilson. The rest mm. of the team, like Colts, I don't know. I feel like the Colts are more like they'll, they're okay with cheaper quarterbacks because they'd rather uh, – Chris Ballard has made it very clear. They like to re-sign their own guys. So I think right. they're okay paying more like Carson Wentz than like Russell Wilson is going to get a lot of money. And the AFC West, I don't know, Las Vegas maybe? Like did they finally move on from Carr? So just kind of process of elimination. It's like Pittsburgh's like one of like three teams in the AFC and it just seems to fit perfectly. I dig it. Okay. So now, you know, that's one of the fun things to discuss. Team gets a new quarterback. You start thinking, what's that do for the weapons? Like, you know, if Denver does get a fucking quarterback, let's say they get Deshaun Watson, you know, if, if a team like that gets to sign Deshaun Watson, man, that just increases the value just like that of those yeah. weapons. And so, you know, these are teams you could think about trying to get ahead of the curve on, trying to buy some players of these offenses because you anticipate there will be 
an upgrade at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So what are some other players, uh, individual or from certain offenses or whatever, that you're looking to get into buying this offseason? Give me some dynasty buys from the mind of the captain. Love it. I love it. So I always like kind of bargain shopping. I'm usually not doing like massive, massive deals because I do truly believe in building through the draft, but I do have a couple of dynasty buys. They're both receivers. An important thing real quick. We had kind of talked about it off pod that when it comes to these dynasty, but neither one of us really go after running backs. We like to draft our running backs. It's something I, I've preached about the past couple of years. You cycle those backs. You keep them young. Draft your running backs so that, you know, after you've had them rostered for a few years, you can start using those as pieces in trades in the offseason. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Continue. Here. Absolutely. No, that, that was a good point to bring up. So you're not going to get running back buys from me. Although I did break my rule a little bit, but I, I had collected such a huge amount of assets and I didn't even trade my most valuable assets. I made a trade for Alvin Kamara for a team that I believe going into next season is ready to make the jump. But my, my dynasty bias, I mentioned Jacoby Myers, right? And what really got me on Jacoby Myers, honestly, it, it was back his rookie season. I, I liked what I saw on film and it, you read the camp reports and you're like, okay, like this guy's making some noise worth a fire. And he really had his breakout in year two. And in particular last off season, I like looking at one particular advanced stats for wide receivers and that's yards per route run. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's taking the receiving yards divided by the routes run and when the, the the thing I typically look for is receivers that exceed 2.00 yards per route run. Because last season, and I don't have the numbers pulled up, but it was like a lot of the top fantasy producing receivers were in this range of exceeding 2.00 yards per route run. But Jacoby Myers was on that list. I was like, huh. Like at first you go, that doesn't belong with, if you look at last season, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, like Tyreek Hill, it was like every single top producing wide receiver. And Jacoby Myers was one, and Debo Samuel was the other weird one too because he, all of his yards were like after the catch. It was the telling sign. And Debo Samuel, you fast forward a season, had over, he's averaging over 20 fantasy points. Like that should have been the sign. But he is legit. And Jacoby Myers right. was a much cheaper guy that you could probably have gotten for like a third round pick last year. I, so I mentioned that I did the same process this year. And the two guys that have stood out to me as guys that you probably buy pretty cheap. I'd say you could probably even get them for like a late second, maybe. Maybe on one of these guys. But the guy you definitely get is Russell Gage for the Atlanta Falcons, who plays like very similar plays very similar to Jacoby Myers. Gage has not exceeded, I believe, 800 receiving yards in any of his seasons, so it's perfect. It's under the radar because if guys get, like, a 1,000 yards like Corey Davis did last year, suddenly their value, like, skyrockets for whatever reason. But, mm-hmm. no, like, uh, he is my first buy there because the other qualifier was – Gage doesn't score a lot of fantasy points. Like he is, I'm going to say 10.8. 
uh, through weeks one through 16. I haven't pulled it up with this past performance there. But the other thing, too, is air yard share. It was he exceeded that 2.00 yards per route run, but he also had a 25% air yard share, too, because when you look at it, it's him and Kyle Pitts. And, yes, I'm sure they'll bring in some some weapons, but also if they don't, <laughs> like Gage, Gage could – do what Jacoby Myers does. And it's not sexy. It's not sexy at all. But a late second round pick, truth be told, if they have a Russell Gage type career, you're ecstatic. You're ecstatic about that performance anyways. Why not get a 25-year-old receiver that has had a couple of seasons where it's been at least flex-worthy, and those guys are still valuable. Uh, the difficult thing is he is a free agent too, so there's the assumption of if he remains in Atlanta, I'm definitely fine. And then the other guy is another receiver, Christian Kirk, who has a little bit more hype to him because he was more highly touted. Christian Kirk has not – it looks like he's actually on pace for 1,000 yards receiving, but whereas with Corey Davis, I was like, ah, kind of fake alpha, fake alpha. I'm mm. not really buying Christian Kirk – especially if he stays with Arizona. I love that because he's he's athletic, he's fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's I, – I would say it would probably cost an early second-rounder. Like, ah, it's difficult because the people that have him are probably in for the, the long haul because they probably – they probably held on when his value was at its lowest the year, the year prior. But those two receivers, they're – 25, 26 years old mm. is perfect. Like you're still going to get another three to four years of them being in their athletic prime. And one other thing I want to mention with Russell Gage is kind of like Jacoby Myers. Those those two players weren't natural receivers. Jacoby Myers played quarterback. That's right. He, he entered college as a quarterback, transitioned to a receiver. And Russell Gage played cornerback at LSU before switching to receivers. So Gage in particular is the guy that I go, that is that is my Jacoby Myers. And why do I why am I so excited about Jacoby Myers? Hey, in PPR, he's right outside the top 30 uh receivers in PPR scoring. And that's that is despite the fact that he has scored two touchdowns. Like, man, you get get this guy any type of touchdowns, mm. and he's a wide receiver too. And I believe Russell Gage can absolutely be that. Oh, if only they had drafted like Justin Fields or Mac Jones or anybody, right? It really could happen. But if they get their guy, if they get a I think they Malik will. Willis. I think that's going to be a team that's going to be looking for a quarterback, right? So it is. It will be Gage is the one where at first when he showed up in the list because I did a whole like you go through and you have two hundred receivers and you go knock out the guys under two point. Uh, zero zero yards per route run and take out the guys that don't really have uh, an air yard share and take out the guys that aren't getting targets. And when there was four guys left and Russell Gage was one of them, I went, really? (laughs) And also taking out the guys that were legit studs already. So it was a process that didn't fail last year. I mean, Debo Samuel was a guy that you could have gotten him probably a discount. I don't know. Do you think like last this past off season, an early second rounder gets you Debo Samuel? Probably. Yeah. So it's crazy. I, I like it, and so 
Am I saying Christian Kirk could be the Devo Samuel and Russell Gage is Jacoby Byers? I guess so. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, I like both of those. I like both of those. I really do. Um, and it is interesting. We'll have to see what happens with Calvin Ridley. Um, right. Because, I mean, I would assume, I mean, because I would almost make him a dynasty buy because I imagine – you know, those who have rostered Ridley might be, be kind of like, you know, there's going to be some frustrated with him and, and not being able to use him and things like that. So you might be able to get him, but we really haven't got shit for updates. So we really don't know, like, what's all going on with him. And it, it's it's something to monitor because we, we don't know. He, he For all we know, he could fucking retire. Like, <laughs> and I'm glad you brought him up because I did completely just forget about him because he's been gone for so long. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see, I see his name every week when I would do the infirmary report. I would see him as out for the Falcons, and every week it says, um, "Coach Smith has no update on Ridley this week." And I'm just like, you know, I was just waiting for something to put in the infirmary about an update on him never got anything so i do think it's important to keep that in mind or to keep an eye on that because it, we really don't know what's going to happen with him um but i think uh, i've just got a couple of things that i'll say about dynasty buys that's um last off season we talked a lot about this i love second year wide receivers i love trying to nab up some second year wide receivers i love drafting second year wide receivers um obviously Jamar Chase is going to be the one everybody's looking at, but there's some very good ones that could really have big year. Elijah Moore, you brought up. He's a great one to target in Dynasty. Rondale Moore, I would target in Dynasty. Rashad Bateman. Now, he's been getting targeted, mixed results, but Baltimore's been Fuck it. Just the injuries and everything with Lamar. So I, I want to see when the Ravens have their full potential, their their solid defense, their rushing attack, and then a healthy Lamar able to distribute the ball in the air to his weapons. I want to see that. We're not going to get to see it till next year. So I believe in Rashad Bateman. He's one of my top guys. But him, Elijah Moore, those are two guys that I'm going to be like, Give me those motherfuckers during the offseason. Those are some guys. So second-year wide receivers, I love those guys. And then I'm also big on tight ends. I'm big on getting these, you know, all the different tight ends. Like, I got Albert O all over the place, even though it was, you know, when he was first drafted, it was like, well, they got no offense. Yes, they got no offense, and they're going to draft Albert O. So, it, you know, I, I love me some tight ends. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it right now. Get you some Mr. Harrison Bryan from the Cleveland Browns. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Uh, but this dude is going to be the man next year. I'm calling it now. Calling it now. So, dynasty buys for me. Second year wide receivers, Harrison Bryan. There you go, my man. I love it. And Harrison Bryan scored a touchdown today. Third straight mm. game scoring a touchdown. It, it's great. And yeah, David Njoku, who actually I, I I have a soft spot for Njoku. But I also too. he's gonna be a I free agent. Too. Right. And you know, it, one of the things I know it's kind of a vague thing, but by athletic tight ends in general. So yes. you know, yes. Albert O, but also David Njoku, who 
you know, I like what which, which you talk about, getting the second-year guys that didn't break out the rookie season. But then my next favorite guys is, hey, those guys that have been in the league and have haven't lived up to expectation. I mean, David Njoku is the perfect example because he usually flashes like once or twice a year. Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny. And it's the guys that they don't really do a whole lot in three or four years mm. that the the managers just go, I am stuck with these guys. And it's always a perfect time because, hey, Rashad Penny, uh, if you truly believed in the talent last offseason, this past offseason, I don't know, uh, third round pick may, maybe gets it done because I, I can't really recall Penny ever being highly productive in, in his first three seasons and then mm. missing all that time. I'm like, yeah. hey, third round pick worth a, worth a gamble. Right. Oh yeah, man. All right. Well, look, we had I had one more little thing we were going to mention a little zero RB, um, but I kind of feel like that might be better served saving for a little more dynasty or for a little more off season chatter. And I was thinking I kind of like to unless you've got any information you'd really like to talk about on it. I will say, do I have information? Yes. But I'm going to be a little, we're going to leave a little teaser there for the audience because I am fine. Like the information I have can still be saved for a later podcast. Okay. So for the I was going to say, because I want to tease them a little. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Hey, for the audience, we're just going to tease you guys a little bit. And you want to hear what our thoughts are? Our thoughts are on zero RB. If I could spit that one out, <laughs> you're just going to have to tune in for a future show. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, I definitely want to look into it a little bit more myself because, it, you know, it's something we we have to look at as it pertained to this year. Because I don't think either one of us considered that a viable strategy this year. Um, and we'll, we'll just kind of have to take a look at things. So that's uh, one of many discussions we'll have in the future in the off season. Uh, but for now, we're going to get out of here. We're going to take a little break from, well, from just, you know, analyzing and dissecting and talking about football because it is well needed. It's been a hell of a crazy year for probably just about everybody, not just us. <laughs> but it, it has been, you know, we were talking about it off pot. You've had plenty of personal stuff. I've had plenty of personal stuff. And, you know, usually... You know, one of us has something going on, the other one can pick it up. But we'd have so many moments this year where we both had just insanity going on. And, you know, so it's at a point where you, you hit the the burnout phase, the fatigue of just the long grind of the season. And then on top of that, the fatigue from all the personal stuff. So we take a breather, we step back, and then we'll be back momentarily. As I said, we might get on for a short pot out just bullshitting about some playoff football. But other than that, take some time off, and we'll be back to get into, uh, you know, our favorite shit, the offseason, talking we're getting ready for free agency, getting ready for the draft. It's just, yeah, that's when it gets oh so exciting, at least for me and Aaron. We love that kind of stuff, so but before we go on our on our little break and 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 uh, you know we get out of here for tonight, um, any final thoughts at all, Aaron? Any anything else you learned from the season? Anything else you want to say at all? Since you know we'll be out for a few. Oh, lessons learned. There's always lessons, and mm. it's actually one of my favorite things each season is to go. What mistakes or 
what lessons did I learn? Usually from mistakes and usually it was wish casting a lot of things. When I really reflect on the players I missed on was just kind of putting visors on and not really paying attention to, uh, to important details. DJ Moore. Hey, maybe we should project receivers to break out that actually have stable quarterback situations. I know like Deontay Johnson, for instance. Yeah, Ben Rottlesberger wasn't great, but he was stable. He was always going to be there. He was always going to target Deontay Johnson a little harder for a quarterback that, or for a receiver, sorry, pardon me, a receiver that has like four or five different starting quarterbacks to do anything. So, yeah, lessons like that. Like maybe if I'm projecting, if I'm trying to draft guys third, fourth round, not to draft the guys that have pretty major question marks, but somewhere obvious, Mike Davis, a older running back that then break out to like year six and playing on a bad team. Probably. Yeah. The, there's one everybody was all that's over an easy that I was one. like, no, yeah. <laughs> it was an easy one to avoid, but obviously made my mistakes. And that's just, that's just one of many lessons. Maybe I'll write an article on it. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. And it's not that I guess I just learned this lesson, but it's just, it's reinforced every year is that I agree with you. While there's always things you can do to improve your process, because I'm just one of those that believe, unless you believe in perfection and think you've somehow gotten there, there's always a way to improve yourself, no matter in what area of life it is. So same goes with fantasy football. So there's always ways to improve, but also, I, you know, buddy, I don't think it matters how awesome we get this process. It's football. <laughs> we'll, we'll never, there will always be stuff that just we're like, okay, I get whatever. I mean, you know what I mean? Just throw your hands in the air. Like what the bleep ever, like where's the, you know, every, the process was right. You know, it's just, it's football. It's one of the craziest fucking things in this world that we we pay attention to and, and we sit here and talk about it and it's just insanity to me. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, that's all you can do is try and get that process the best that it, it can be to give you the best chance because that's really all you can do is just give yourself the best chance to win because football is too fucking crazy. Agreed. All right, buddy. Well, I think it's time to get out of here. It's been a fun season, but like I said, we we sail off into the sunset for a few weeks to give our, ourselves a break, our brains a break, recharge those fantasy football batteries, and uh, very excited to get back and talk in the off season. So we're going to get the hell out of here. Any final thoughts for the Madcaps before we do, my friend? I'll just make sure while we're on break, help support the show if you're watching right. on YouTube. Give it a like. Give it a dislike. It doesn't even show dislikes anymore. You know, it's, it's <laughs> anything really. Like it, it helps us know what you guys like or don't like about the show. That's also, right. on, on Twitter, Twitter is our primary social media platform. You can find me at Aaron Stew zero nine. You can find our show. We're gonna get it right this time at DW underscore Pod on Twitter. And then Ryan, go ahead, give them your Twitter handle. At RMK Madness. You can find me on Twitter and the Instagram. That's more my other 
comedy side of stuff, but feel free to check that out as well. And uh, I'm on hiatus from that as well. We're we're doing a nice little hiatus, come back stronger than ever. That's the plan. But until then, uh, yeah, we're going to get the hell out of here because, you know, it's that time. Hope y'all did well in your championships. Congrats to those who won. Congratulations to those who lost. I'm with From the Mad Chatter and the Salary Captain, we'll talk with y'all in a little while until we do. And don't forget, take care of yourselves. We're out of here for now. Hot top. For now. Dynasty Wonderland.